When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of Zero Ducks Given and once again I am joined by the one and only Mr Daniel Norcross and Stephen Finn as well and um, just before we started I was uh, I was going to start the podcast by talking about cricket but where's the fun in that? So long story short a mate of mine is allergic to asparagus aged 29 and I'm eating some peanuts right now and I just mentioned before we started recording, I said, my biggest fear is that I'll be allergic to peanuts one day because I love peanuts. And Daniel Norcross has just piped up and I, you get that sound is him lighting a cigarette. He's so confident about this fact that what well, a peanut isn't a nut. No. What? Wait, wait, no, so no. Wait, wait, so people with a nut allergy can eat peanuts? Surely not. Well, it depends what, they're, what nut they're allergic to. But uh, I mean, they might also be allergic to a peanut. But a peanut is not a nut. A peanut is a legume. The peanuts. Peanuts grow this underground. This is mind-blowing. They grow underground. They're like peas. They're called peanuts because they're like peaish. They're not They're not nuts. It's not like not like a walnut. You know, like you, you go past the walnut tree, you see its lovely fecund offerings dangling down from its branches. And then you look inside and there's the soft, dainty taste of the walnut. You put it in your mouth. You discover you've got a walnut allergy. Your face blows up to 15 times its normal <laughs> size and you're nearly dead. That's a nut allergy. Right. Peanuts, they're a legume. How I've eaten nothing but peanuts since the day I can remember. I have You'll peanut butter about four times a day. And all this time, I've, I didn't know that they were, they were they weren't even nuts. Well, I'm eating no, cashews. It's I'm a vegetable. It's a vegetable. I'm eating, you're, I'm you're, eating uh, honey roast cashews, by the way. I'm eating honey roast cashews. No, those are, those are nuts. Those are those nuts. Those are nuts. Good. Those are nuts. You need to be Got very you. careful of them. Yeah, very, yeah, yeah. very careful of them. Yeah, just yeah. just just for the record, uh, honey honey roast cashews are my favourite. If there's anybody listening that has a company that makes those and wants to, you know, send them to the <laughs> podcast, I will accept them with open arms. Stephen Finn, no doubt you're reeling from this news as well. Did you know that peanuts weren't nuts? Yeah, it's blown my mind to be honest. It's the, uh, <laughs> it's all I can think about night and day whether yeah. peanuts are nuts or not. Yeah. And, and now I know I'm just, I'm I'm absolutely outstandingly happy. Yeah, well, you're only human, mate. You're only human. <laughs> um, well, let, let, <laughs> let's get into let's get into cricket. Do you, do you know the beauty of that? I should just say I'm going to give the listeners a little peek behind the curtain here at Zero Ducks Given. But we were talking about this off air, and producer Sal went. Hey guys, save it for the podcast. This is gold. I mean, that we that's that's what we count as gold on this podcast. So if you're new to the podcast, you're in for a treat. So Finney's been playing some cricket today. So we're recording on a Monday night, and Finney's been playing for the Middlesex second eleven. Talk me through what's been going on in your game, Finney. Uh, we lost the toss and got inserted. I think we got two hundred and thirty on a bit of a tasty wicket, and then I think we have the opposition Somerset seconds. 50 for four overnight. I got a wicket with the first ball that I bowled. 
I slipped slightly at the crease and was probably a bit stiff and a bit of a loosener and it was short and wide and the batsman toe ended it straight to Gully who had he not caught it would have knocked 10 of his teeth out I think so um, so yeah um, everyone was glad all round but yeah not not my uh, not my finest wicket I've took in my career I'd say uh, Somerset seconds talk me through it because I, I've long believed that Somerset are basically they're very jamming side you know they've got a good first 11 but have, have they got anything down below what, what are we looking at in there what are, what is that Somerset second level looking at? Looking at what, who are you bowling um, at? I am bowling at um, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of younger guys there at the moment. Um, I think the recognised batsmen didn't last that long. But yeah, it, it is funny when you go back and I mean I'm 32, so I'd say that I'm. Although Jack Brooks is playing for the other side, so he's older than mm. me, but I am one of the older statesmen in the game. And yeah, it's funny when you're out there, you looking around thinking these kids probably weren't even alive when I made my first class debut in 2005. And now I'm playing cricket against them and bowling at them. So it's quite a weird experience to be playing against some of the guys who are as young as they are. I think you're looking at it very negatively. I think the way you should be looking at it is you are some of these guys' heroes, Stephen Finn. Or they some of think these I'm kids. complete and utter shit. It's like one of the two. <laughs> yeah. They were probably yeah. watching when they were kids. How on earth has this fella played a hundred odd games for England? Now, did, you, did, you, did you bat, by the way? Uh, I, I did bat, uh, yeah. And, uh, and what happened? Well, I struck three consecutive boundaries. I went 4-4-4 four, four, four off the off spinner. I was sort of trying to go round the clock. So I did a square slog sweep, which I was trying to hit for six and it went for four. I hit a slightly straighter slog sweep, which I was trying to hit for six, and it went for four. <laughs> I then hit the bowler over his head, which I was trying to hit for six, and it only went for four. And then I just tried to guide one over mid-off um, and got caught mid-off about two or three balls later. So, um, right. so just to be clear, by the way, are we? Are we? where are we with second 11 sixes here? Well, it's only one for the year so far. Just one. Yeah, but what, how are we counting that? I've, I've forgotten because... They should count double, shouldn't they? I think no, the grounds are pretty big no. in second level well, cricket. <laughs> at, at least a half, if not less. Did we end up giving him something like a third of a six because he hit that 12-year-old for six a few weeks ago? I mean, it turns out I think he was 18, so maybe we could add a few <laughs> decimal points on it. We'll call it a half because we're generous because so far that is the only six he's hit all season, isn't it? It's only it's early May, mate. Give me a chance. <laughs> 2020 season. Yeah. 2020 season hasn't started. And if I end up playing this week against um, Hampshire at Lords, then the boundary one side looks tastily small. So, yeah. Okay. Well, I'll look, I'll look forward to that, especially because we get to see it all now. The Middlesex live stream. Can I just have a quick, quick shout out? To Liverpool, Please do. The Middlesex live stream. What a thing that is. They've got six cameras. They were co-opted by Sky this week. So we've got to see county championship cricket on Sky. There's no IPL. We've got to see Middlesex in action. The whole cast and crew was down there. We had NASA, Athers, uh, Wardy, Adam Collins helming it. It was, it was magnificent stuff. You weren't there, irritatingly, because you, you appeared to be... They've got a rotation policy at Middlesex, which is annoying me, Finney. Yeah, well, I think it's um, it's also horses for courses. That sometimes the wicket suits the guys who hit the stumps a lot more than us big guys do sometimes. And it's quite unnatural for us to try and... You, you want to bowl the ball with intent. You don't just want to float it up there and hope it hits the stumps, as I'm sure Toby finds when he plays club cricket on the weekend. He wants to 
hit the wicket with intent. Otherwise, they're absolute powder puffs. Yeah. Um, that's what I've heard anyway. So <laughs> they're, um, pretty, they're pretty they, powder puff back of a leg. But no, even at my very minimal level of cricket comparatively, I bowl a beautiful back of a length. It flies through to the keeper. As soon as I try and go full, I fall over. It's floaty. It's, it, it, it's, it's horrible. It's very difficult as a tall man. I, I, how do you find bowling Yorkers, Finney? Because from six foot five, I, I find Yorkers impossible. I can't get the angle right unless I basically fall over. Yeah, I, I've gone through phases in my career, actually. When I was younger, I was actually pretty good at them. Found a way of, you do almost have to think about falling away and losing your front side to try and slide the Yorker in because, yeah, the trajectory for a big guy, your margin for error, I think, is slightly smaller than that of someone who is more skiddy and at the stumps. But yeah, you just you just have to find a way. You do Over the years, you find a method of either falling away or you try and hold onto the ball just that slight little bit longer yeah something or let go of it earlier sorry if you hold on to it longer you'll be bowling a bouncer but yeah you know you find something that works for you and but even that might change on any given day depending on how someone's playing so it's all about problem solving whilst you're out there now when do you find out if you're in the middle sex team because i i wait with bated breath i'm, I'm doing my radio show and I know the team's going to get announced and I keep an eye on it. And then I scroll down to one above Tim Murta to see who's there. And, uh, and uh, it seems to be, you seem to be doing alternate weeks at the moment. When will you find out if you're in the team? I don't want you to give anything away here, but basically. No, no. Well, I'll find out tomorrow if I'm in the squad. And then typically, depending on whether they've had a good look at the wicket the day before or not, uh, which sometimes with the weather at this time of year means that, it's not possible to look at the wicket the day before the game because it's under covers. So it tends to be when they've made a decision about, you know, what the wicket is actually going to do in the game and then they'll pick a team accordingly. So last week I found out I was in the squad, but found out the day before that I wasn't playing because it looked like it was going to suit the guys who control the scoreboard better than me and, and hit the stumps a lot more. But then a few weeks before I was waiting to see if Tim Murta passed his fitness test. So I found out at 9.59, a minute before the warm-up, that I was going to be playing. So, yeah, it varies. And one of the challenges of all of that is trying to remain ready and trying to remain switched on with all this stuff going on around you. It can be quite challenging sometimes. And, and the mood of the camp, because, you know, just watching on as an interested cricket fan, not just as a Surrey supporter, seeing the really quite agonising losses from strong positions that Middlesex have found themselves in. How is the mood? Is it one of incandescent rage, bitterness and hatred at all things cricket? Or is it I, mean, I can see the glee. Me? I can <laughs> see, annoyingly, I can see the glee on your face, but de- detri- it would be detrimental to me if I punch my computer screen at your face. And it's it's also about a thousand pounds. It's the worry is that I couldn't see Daniel's hands uh, when he was saying all of these things. Daniel, hands where we can see them when you're talking about the demise of Middlesex, please. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, but I, yeah, it's, it's it's frustrating when you don't when you don't make you know good positions in games count, and yeah, we're we're aware of the fact that we've let a couple of games slip this year from really good positions. But I think the encouraging sign is that we've got in those positions in the first place. So um, I think if we were sat here having been trounced in our four losses, then I think that it would be a different mood than it currently is. But I, I do think that there are building blocks and there are things in place for us that if we win the critical moments of games, then we'll be far better place or have far better fortunes when it comes to the back end of games. One of the things that people said at the start of the season was that the, one of the great things about having three groups of six is that everybody has the opportunity to win the Kansas Championship. And 
again, speaking as a, a Surrey fan and, and knowing where you are as a Middlesex player, one of the dangers is also that you can sort of not have anything to play for by late May. You know, I mean, it all starts rather cushy, doesn't it? Oh, everyone can win the county championship. But if you lose another game, if Surrey lose another game, then you've got like Hampshire, Gloucestershire and Somerset sailing off into the wind. And the rest of the season, what is it? Yeah, it's a challenge. Yeah. Well, I think it's a, it's an experimental year with that format as well in the championship, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see come the back end of the season what those games look like in the lower divisions but I suppose even now we're what five games in there's five games to go until the end of this group stage we've lost four out of five now but we could feasibly win four out of the next five and then the group looks very different so you can move up and down quite quickly I think so yeah it's not doom and gloom it's not ideal we know that we expect better of ourselves and the people who are watching and supporting us also expect better of us and yeah, we, we don't want to let anyone down, most definitely. So we're, we're trying our hardest to get ourselves out of the situation we're in. And um, yeah, there's absolutely no doubt that the people in the dressing room are capable of it. Don't try too hard because Surrey need sorry needed to lose at least another game or two because uh, we're in trouble too. <laughs> um, sorry, sorry to hit you with the uh, with the negatives early doors, Finney. But yeah, Jesus, lads, yeah. thanks for that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, welcome. How are you? Uh, all good. What I was going to ask you about was um, <laughs> genuinely the sad news as well about Toby Roland Jones knee surgery was the reports that that I saw, and obviously uh, I know Toby a little bit, and he's one of those that I think cricket fans have a real soft spot for Toby Roland Jones. He took those five wickets in a Test match against South Africa. He had one foot on the plane to Australia when he had his, his first major injury setback. I guess not just Toby specifically, but you would have been surrounded by players in your England and Middlesex career who have who have suffered bad injuries. Must be really tough to watch a mate, first of all, and a teammate going through that. Is it something that you've seen in the England team, the Middlesex team over your career? Like, I guess a bit of a downer in the whole, the whole camp, it, it feels it, not just Toby. Yeah, I mean, it, when you see someone require surgery and and you know a significant injury you you're well you're sad like he's he's a mate he's been at the club for a long time um almost as long as I have and yeah to to see someone have to go through that especially with the setbacks that he's had over the last few years with the England stuff yeah he's been a remarkable player for Middlesex and yeah that the um the time that he got injured just before that Ashes tour was heartbreaking for everyone I think because He'd been the talisman of the club for the number of years in the build-up to the to the championship win, uh, and everyone was loving seeing him playing for England. So yeah, it's just sadness really more than anything because you just feel so disappointed and, and helpless as well because there's nothing I can do. You know, he he's got injured and it's so unfortunate and so unlucky. So you just try and be there to support people, try and make sure that they're okay and coping all right. Um, because I've also been there where you're injured and you feel lonely and you can't move and even just getting out of bed sometimes a struggle if it's your knee. When I had my knee surgery, I was hobbling around for a while. So yeah, you can feel detached and out the loop. So it's up to us all, his mates and his teammates to try and get around him. And we know that hopefully he can be back for the run into the season, the back end of the season, the last six weeks or so. And it'd be just great to see him out there on a cricket field again. So yeah, it's 
sadness more than anything. Uh, sadness and disappointment for him, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And everybody here at Zero Dutch given obviously uh, wishes him get well soon because, like I say, there's a lot of love for Toby Rolling-Jones in the cricket game. I think everyone appreciates what he went through uh, when he broke into that England team. Uh, but he'll come back. He's a serious cricketer and always delivers for Middlesex as well. One thing I, I, wanna... he, I think he got the fastest cipher in Test history, didn't he? In that, in that game, I was, I was commentating that game. And yeah. he, he, picked, he picked up his five wickets in, in record time. And a wonderful stat about the, the first bowler to take five for, for England with a double-barrel surname since something like 1891 or something like that. Don't quote me on that, but it was definitely a really awesome stat about double-barrel surnames. Which is it, weird, it, tells, it tells you everything about how, how bowlers used to be upper class and then they stopped being upper class. And then and, and he's the only upper class bowler that's, that's around, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the rest of us are just absolute idiots. Yeah, yeah that's fair enough. Yeah, they call things like Finn and Wood. Like yeah, four yeah. letter names. Yeah, like... so double barrel <laughs> surname, just the automatic intelligence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, automatic. Yeah. Yeah, oh, sorry. Jacob yeah. Jacob Rees Mogg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, intelligent. Hey, so yeah, intelligent. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cat amongst yeah. pigeons. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, you get you get Bell Drummond on, on Mastermind. He'll clean up. I'll tell you that. <laughs> he he hey. would. Do you know what? Would he? He would. Yeah, yeah Deeps would. Yeah, he's he's very intelligent man. Yeah, yeah Hannon Dalby. Yeah, all good, all clever. Nah, bowler. No good. Oh yeah, no good. One thing I do want to ask you, Daniel. As, as as the senior member of Zero Ducks Given, and I like to remind you of Thank that. Thank you. Uh, yeah. you're, you're welcome. There was a couple of nice things. So the county championship, as you alluded to, was was on TV, which was which was lovely. And I watched a lot of that stream, and well done to everybody that made that happen. Jamie Anderson was bowling at Marnus Labashane. Stuart mm. Broad was bowling at Alistair Cook. Mm. It was like the good old county cricket days, wasn't it? Televised, international stars <laughs> going at it. That That is one thing that... There's not as much of now with the mad, hectic international schedules, but also when it does happen, it's very rarely on TV now. Whereas I was able to go and find a live stream of Stuart Broad bowling at Alistair Cook. Is, is, did it bring back fond memories of the days of seeing Malcolm Marshall at an outground somewhere, <laughs> scaring the hell out of some poor county batsman? Well, it sort of did, but it was even better than that. Because as a kid, right, and, and I talk as the senior member of Zero Ducks Given, as you, you like to remind me. I've already me. mentioned that, you, but you, feel free to you reiterate. Like, you like yeah. to remind me, yeah. <laughs> so there was only one county championship game that was ever shown in the 70s and 80s, and it was the the Roses match between Yorkshire and Lancashire. And it was on Granada TV, not, not BBC, Granada TV. And uh, I, I remember very clearly in like 1981 going there to a really, because I'm half half Yorkshire, so my mother was from Yorkshire, so we used to go and see these like dreadful aunts that smelt of lavender and had antimacassars <laughs> and, you know, every, everything was tedium and gloom and it's all so dreadful, you know. And I went, we went so I didn't realise your aunt was salad fingers. Oh, carry no, on. Uh, uh, Auntie Dinah, she had melting eyes, looked a bit like Robert Croft and we had to sit in a, a very gloomy room and it was bank holiday and it was pissing down with rain. And the only thing that I could do, because everyone talked like Alan Bennett in those days, was, was to turn the television on. And I did do that. And, and it said, oh, cricket, I couldn't believe it. I was 12 years old. And uh, it rained all day, all day. And all they had in 1981 was a picture of a cricket ball on a wet outfield and it said rain, stop, blow. Right? And that was the only county championship game on the TV. Now... You can, if you want, watch watch all of them, right? And it, it's it. I think you know, it's quite seriously to your point. It's a real, really important game changer because the BBC has been doing these county commentaries for years now. I did a 
a thing with every Rainford Brentford. We've tried to go to every county championship game on the first day of the season, starting in Headingley, going all the way down to Canterbury and finishing at the Oval. And we got within three miles of managing it. And on that day, there were over two million people listening to the county championship across the country, not listening to us, listening to the county championship, right? And what these live streams have done is proved to counties who knew already, but they proved to the authorities as well, that four-day county cricket is massively popular. It's just that, obviously, people don't go into the grounds to watch it because, like most people, have got a job. Do you know what I mean? So so you don't see the amount of interest, but the amount of interest out there is enormous. We are talking seven figures worth of interest. Now, I think this will be a big game changer for counties, actually, because I think they'll start to monetize those streams. I think you'll get people... It, it, it could also be a bit problematic. You know, you're going to get people from outside Britain watching it and, you know, bets are going to be placed on it and all sorts. But let's let's revel in the joy that actually there's an awful lot of love for cancer cricket. When I was a kid, we used to all watch on CFAX. When I started going to work and Crick Info started, I used to be in an office where people would have every single Crick Info scorecard across the bottom of their bar pretending to work. But actually basically watching a sack play mush that cleared up for Surrey. And, uh, you know, yeah. the, the county cricket is an incredibly popular product. And this season and last season, but this season especially, has really proved it. More cameras, really great commentators. It's fantastic. And we get to see exactly how slowly Tim Murtagh bowls when he takes those wickets. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's like you know, people say, oh, he's not quick. He's not just not quick. It, it, it's amazing. It's like backspin he puts on that ball. He makes Darren Stevens look like Joel Garner, doesn't he? <laughs> I feel like we need to get you in the net. You, you and Tim Murta yeah. can go in the adjacent net yeah. to me oh, and Toby. No, this I like the sound of. I'll face Murta with a hat on, right? Like, <laughs> I'm not wearing a helmet to Murta. I'm going to a Richie Richardson sun hat. You bring Murts on, right? No trouble at all. I, but I, you made a lot of good points there, though, which is very unlike you. There Sorry. was a brief digression <laughs> where you said your aunt looked like Robert Croft and spoke like Alan Bennett. But apart from that, there was <laughs> there was some good points in there. No, but you're so right. These live streams are proving very popular. Social media, people want to see cricket. You know, cricket fans on Twitter, you're so right. People, there's a big difference. Team. There's a lot of people that love county cricket but aren't going to go and sit at... Guildford and watch Surrey play because, you know, they work during the week and then it's their weekend and they've got other stuff to do. But I think these live streams are, are, are going to be huge for county cricket. And uh, these, there's club teams now all around the place. You'll see them with their YouTube pages who put a camera on each scoreboard. And we've played against a few of them in our league where our, mate can, our mates have been on holiday in South Africa, Greece, wherever, and they're watching the live stream of our game going on. So it's filtering down to club cricket. And if there's an appetite to watch our team play, then there's certainly an appetite to watch actually good teams play. So, you know, I think you're absolutely right. It's, uh, it's, it's huge for the county game. And it was, uh, it was really nice to see some big names going hammer and tong. Most importantly, it was really nice to see Jimmy Anderson snick off Marnus Labuschagne oh. with an absolute seed as well. Marnus Labuschagne, now I don't need Andy Zaltzman to tell me he must be the first man to get out to Darren Stevens and Jimmy Anderson in the same in the space of a week. That's <laughs> got to be a first time that's happened. Um, but let's move on to some really wonderful positive news because we hit Finney with some negatives early doors. But let's move on to some really, really positive news which is, and I should say, alleged, alleged, but for our entertainment, let's assume it definitely happened, alleged fisticuffs between two Australians. And I'm talking about Slates, 
Michael Slater, and I'm talking about uh, David Warner, who um, who the first time I ever ever met Daniel Norcross, we were discussing uh, David Warner, and you you said he'll always be a hogwart to me, and that's that's always stuck with me. You described him as a hogwart, which is a great great de- description of the man. Warthog, warthog, not warthog. hogwart. <laughs> no, Hogwarts. Hogwarts, the school from uh, Harry Potter. That's another, yeah, another Harry Fucking Potter hell. reference. In I've been there. on this podcast so long now, if, I'm starting to slip Harry Potter if, references. If David, if, David Warner, if David Warner was at Hogwarts, he would quite definitely be Slytherin and he would quite definitely be, you know, the annoying blonde guys. Oh, sidekick. Malfoy. Yeah, if he went to school down Malfoy, the road. It'd be Malfoy's heavy, wouldn't he? Yeah, well, yeah, uh, Crab and Goyle, I think. That's uh, is, it. Is, is one of those. Looking for. Finney, though. I think you'd be a Hufflepuff, though, Dan. Yeah, you'd be so Hufflepuff. Yeah. Me? Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. Slytherin. How dare you? No. <laughs> <laughs> he, he wants to be Slytherin. I feel like me and Finney want to be Gryffindor, but if we're really honest with ourselves, we're not. No, I know I would be. Simple. <laughs> I'll, I'll take a, I'll take a Ravenclaw. Go on then. I don't. The Ra- Raven. Let's be honest. Raven, Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff are the two that no one gives a shit about, really, aren't they? Let's, let's, let's they be are. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't even know anything about Harry Potter, but I know no one cares about that. Um, but Finney, I wanted to ask you. We will get into the hilarity of just, just look for, you know, just for to cover our own bases here. You know, it's all alleged. But just go with us on this fantasy of Michael Slater and David Warner having a fight just for our own amusement. But um, I do want to ask you, Finney, genuinely, and I don't expect you to, to, to name any names there if you want to, feel free, but I don't expect you to. Ignoring Slater and Warner, who aren't really colleagues or whatever, are played together, but a lot of egos, I'd imagine, in any professional sports dressing room, a lot of time on tour, a lot of drunk nights out when you've got a few days off on tour it must come to physical blows at times in every changing room in every sport in the world mustn't it there must be and 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 there must be a lot of waking up in the morning going sorry about last night mate we were both a bit of a dick move on but you must see a lot of um a, f- a few fisty cuffs in your time in your playing career um it's a good question i i can't recall any actual fisty cuffs no within teams i i think the people I play with are just too mild mannered to to be doing that. I I can't think of an incident where anyone's come in. I mean, people get frustrated with each other, and if that's you know if someone's pissing someone off just by being around and noisy <laughs> in the dressing room, someone would just say, "Oh, fuck off! Like get out of here, go away." But it would have to take a lot to rile a cricketer up to come to blows. I mean, there are stories of I think in the eighties, the great Middlesex team that. We're an amazing team, but we're maybe slightly dysfunctional off the pitch. There are stories of people there being pinned up against the wall at Lords and being told in no uncertain terms, if you don't stop carrying on, I'm going to punch your lights out. So um, there, definitely more of it went on, I think, 40 years ago. Yeah, Phil, we, Phil, we Phil don't Ed- like each other too much in the dressing room at Middlesex. <laughs> Phil Edmonds at, at Middlesex, I, I believe, was, was quite an, an awkward customer. And I, I don't believe he, you know, initiated any fights but I think he drove people mad but we've got a very good example a very recent one of Katic and Michael Clark there's a famous tale of when Australia finally won a game having gone through a very bad patch and uh, they had to they've got to sing the, the team song because you've got to sing the bloody team song say sing the fucking team song and Michael <laughs> sorry, Clark sorry Alan Bennett's back <laughs> yeah well <laughs> so Michael Clark he needed to go off with whatever his wife's name was to somewhere, you know, swanky with linen suits and a horse 
and riding along the beach or something. And, uh, and, he, or something. and he, he doesn't really get out of there. And Simon Katic, who was in charge of the team song, you've got to sing the bloody team song, one, pinned him up against the wall and forced him to stay until he'd sung the team song. We There's quite a few interesting occasions of fisticuffs. I, I have in, to say, though, isn't that, I mean, David Warner and, and Slates, you know. It's beautiful, that, isn't if, it? If, it's beautiful, but if you offered me a fight on pay-per-view, if Eddie Hearn was offering you fights on pay-per-view, what a battle of soft cocks that is between Simon Katic and Michael Clark. That's the dullest fight in history, isn't it? Oh, give me hey, Don't talk about my Manchester Originals coach like that. I'll come over there and beat you up. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Obviously, you know, I'd be rooting for Katic, of course, of course. But I oh, mean... he's, got, he's, got, he's got eyes. He's got the eyes as Katic. He's got the yeah. eyes. With Slats with Slat, Slat and, um, and Warner, I'm not 100% sure who I'd pick there because obviously, you know, look, the Warthog looks like he's got the manoeuvres, but mm. I think he's very obvious in what he's going to do. He's going he's gonna to do a lot of right hand leads, you know, a bit like Foreman in the, in the Rumble from the Jungle, you know. With Slats, I think he's got some other moves. I think he's got like, you know, I've only ever been in one fight in my life. And it was a guy called Flarty when I was 12. And he, <laughs> and he, st- he stole my what ball. What was he called? What was he Flarty, called? Flarty. Flarty. I can't remember his uh, first name. Probably Sean. Uh, he was <laughs> massive. He was absolutely massive. He was one of these like 12-year-olds who like, you know, had an enormous etc. and pubic hair before he should have had. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and, he, and he nicked my ball and, uh, and he started leering at me in, in a sense of like, do you want your ball back and putting his arm up in the air? Because he, he was tall as well. So I just went for his inner thigh and I bit it as hard as I possibly could. <laughs> and, he, um, and, he, and he screamed like a suck pig and I got the ball back. <laughs> and he, and he, we never fought again. And I have never fought anyone again because yeah. I've, I've never felt the need to. You know, it's not no. like I bare my teeth and people know, oh my God, he's a psychopath. And, uh, and, and that's always worked. But with, with Slats and Warner, you kind of sense that's a fight. It could have gone quite deep. It could have gone long. And it was in yeah. the Maldives, of course, where they've, fled to and I, I know I don't want to get too COVID on everyone's ass here but they left India which has got one of the worst COVID problems in the world to, to go to the Maldives which has got officially the worst COVID problem in the world yeah that is yes. which is an extraordinary safe haven yeah that is yeah that's very convenient it just also happens to have beautiful beaches and and crystal blue sea as well it's a strange place to lock down for a couple of weeks and they've got terrible stats there at the moment Finney, I've got to ask you. I mean, you said the Middlesex team of the 80s was very successful and they were fighting every week. And you guys have got off to a, a slow start to the season and you're not fighting. I reckon you walk in tomorrow and you just deck the first kid you see in the second 11 and just let them, let them know you're there. I think you need to send... I think that's where the Middlesex team's going wrong. You're getting along too well. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know what to say. I, I'm almost... <laughs> Almost lost for words. I tell you what, we'll make a pact. I'll do it if you do it. You can walk into the radio tomorrow and just punch your producer between the eyes and say, yeah, good morning. If it, if it improves the quality of my radio, mate, I'm, I'm, I'm all over it. I'll be honest <laughs> with you. Genuinely, right? So there's a Royal Rumble. Tomorrow, Royal Rumble kicks off. It all kicks off in the Middlesex changing room. Everyone's fighting. Who's the last man in the ring? Who's the last man you want to fight at Middlesex? And you can mm. include backroom staff, physios, any, yeah. anything, anything you want here. I think Nathan Souter, the leg spinner. Yeah. Oh, what? From Australia. How yeah. disappointing. Yeah. No. He's a, be a biter, yeah. gouger. Yeah, really? He'd, he used to have lizards. I think there's a story. He had about 200 yeah. lizards in his back garden. Like there's, He'd pull some 
poisonous lizard out of his backpack and set it on you, he'd find a way to win. And he's a competitive little fucker as well, so he would 100% find a way to win. You can see that. He's got a tapering chin. And and when you see people with a tapering chin, you always know they're up to no good. I'm with you totally, Philly. I'm terrified of Souter. It's so disappointing to hear a, a, a big six foot seven fast bowler say he's terrified of the leg spinner in the team, though. That's 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 shocking form. What about Finney, right? So it get, it's a round robin tournament. So everybody in Middlesex has to fight someone in the team. Who do you want to draw in the first round? Who's an easy buy to the next round? You it's fight fight to the end. Well, it's it's funny you say this. Actually, <laughs> this is um, this is bringing back memories of that pre Ashes camp we went on in two thousand and ten, where. We all do you remember Jimmy Anderson broke a rib because Tris Tremlett punched him so hard in the rib. So one of the team building exercises was that everyone stood in a circle. It was like the ultimate show of hegemonic masculinity. Everyone stood in a circle and your name got called out and then your opponent's name got called out and you just had to punch each other. It was a below the shoulders. So you were only allowed to punch people below the shoulders. So you couldn't just chin someone. <laughs> and um, so... You're going around and everyone's going, oh, please, please, just don't give me Tremlett because I don't want that that big fucker punching me. <laughs> and Jimmy drew Tremlett, broken rib. I drew, out of that Ashes squad, Ian who Bell. do you think? Monty Panasar. Monty Panasar. Monty Panasar is my, the person that I picked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who was shouting out the names? Because first of all, what bright spark fought on the eve of, a, of an important test series Oh, let's throw up one of the greatest fast bowlers, if not the greatest fast bowler of all time, in with Chris Tremler. And what sick bastard went, yeah, Stephen Finn, yeah, uh, let's put him in with Monty. Poor guy. So what? So, so, so now you're just there, just punching Monty in the ribs. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, you had like, it, I think it was a minute or two minutes. And it was people just throwing haymakers into each other's ribs and you had to try and take it. Yeah. Two minutes and there was like, and if anyone like, as well. well you know, someone time. like sometimes if you're, well, you're squaring up to someone and you're dancing around a little bit, trying to suss each other out. It was none of that. It was like, <laughs> you're in the ring. You're not sussing each other out. You're not, you're not kissing each other. You're throwing haymakers for as long as you can sustain <laughs> no it. No finding your it. range. Just go straight exactly. in, straight in big haymakers, but, twist at the exactly. head. But hang on a minute. You, you then went on to win the Ashes series. I mean, it's something in it. I don't <laughs> think there is. You. I don't think there is. I think, I think what was in it was Hilton House, Bollinger, Doherty, Nathan Horitz is what was in it. There was a <laughs> high class bowling. There was a attack. Attack. <laughs> <laughs> there was a, but it, this cannot be the template for how cricket tours should go, which is to send in your big, your big bastard fast bowlers and get them to break the ribs of crucial players. That can't be right. Now, now I've got to look at, I've got to digress here. By the way, this is all off script here, which is, I, I, I wasn't planning on talking about any of this, but this is wonderful. So the current England team, we're going on this basis. So the Middlesex team in the <laughs> 80s were successful. England won that Ashes series. They all fought loads. So the current England team, huge summer coming up. They've got New Zealand, India, 2020 World Cup. So we've got to get them in a ring. Um, immediately, who who do you want to fight out of that current England team? I, I reckon I, I, I probably want Joe Root. Jack Leach, Jack Leach, Jack Leach. Because the thing is, I'm like, look, don't get me wrong. I bet Jack Leach is actually a much better fighter than I give oh, him yeah, credit for. Oh, yeah, beat the crap out of me, but still. But I, I think there's a way of getting like Jack to, I could distract Jack. Oh, oh, poof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. so what's going on over there? Oh, and then because he's such a nice bloke. Yeah, I mean, I think I think I could pull a fast one on. on Thing Leech. is, I reckon you Jack don't Leech. Want, 
you don't, you don't, you absolutely do not want Crawley, right? You expect really? me to say, yeah, yeah. You expect me to say Stokes, but no, yeah. Crawley, Crawley is like a like a carry on character, like Odd Bod from Carry On Screaming. You'd punch him, and then your hand would just break, and all the bones would like fall out in cartoon fashion because you'd just stand there, and nothing could ever hurt him. He's like made of granite, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think the last one I'd want to fight is Josh Butler as well because I don't want to touch that beautiful face. I don't want to leave. Mm. I don't want to leave a blemish on Josh Butler. He'd be a good fighter though. He's one of those guys who's really, really annoyingly good at everything he does. Yeah, like he picks up a pool cue, clears up the table, picks up a tennis racket. Looks like he could go and play at Wimbledon. Hits a golf club. Shanks the odd one, but generally hits them straight. He's disappointingly good at everything. Can't face the full so, ball coming back into him, hitting the top of legs, don't they? Can he keeps on getting out LBW to that one? And don't get me wrong, I'm a big fan of Josh Butler, but he's, I mean, we'll have him on in a few yeah. weeks. You can tell him that to his face yeah. Let, by Zoom. Yeah, the way you fight Josh Butler is just to go. It's around about just above the top of the left knee because that's where he keeps on getting hit by a cricket ball. <laughs> <laughs> You've sussed it. You've sussed his weakness. But moving on, chaps, from the county championship. Actually, no, I do have to let Daniel Norcross have his one last, um, his little stats moment. And again, I want to see your hands whilst you're telling me this on All Zoom right. because I, I know you get very excited around statistics. But so talk to me about what was happening in a cricket game with uh, Ben Sanderson and Gareth Berg that you were getting very, very, very excited about. Okay. Now, the County Championship is full of a rich tapestry of fascinating stories that happen throughout the day, and that's one of the beautiful things about it. We gaze into its majesty and we look for stories. And this particular day, Sussex playing Northamptonshire. Northamptonshire had taken 10 wickets, obviously, bowling out. Sussex, five wickets for Sanderson, five wickets for Gareth Berg. He used to play, of course, with... Uh, Finney down at Middlesex. Lovely flame-haired character, flamboyant. Ben Sanderson himself, an extraordinary man, great story. Played in his early years for Yorkshire, went off, went back into normal civilian life, emerged in 2014 in one of the most amazing games of cricket I've ever seen between Australia and Northamptonshire, in which he walked out to bat with black socks and plimsolls as an afterthought because Stephen Crook was on 98 not out against Australia with nine wickets down and going like a train. And he, and he saw him over the line. It was a fascinating game. Second innings, second innings of our county championship game, five wickets for Sanderson, five wickets for Berg. Let us not forget. So the next nine wickets go down, five for Sanderson, four for Berg. 19 wickets have gone down, 10 and nine, right? I'm looking on, I'm looking on, the, on the stream. And Berg's been taken off. Lo and behold, Skipper gloriously whips off Sanderson, brings Berg on at Sanderson's end. It's on. Four fifers, four fifers between two bowlers has only happened 20 times in the history of first class cricket. 60,204 matches of first class cricket have been played. It means that basically, on average, in the county championship, that would happen at best every 25 years. It happened in 2005. The last time it happened was 1963, right? And then Tom fucking Taylor, <laughs> right? With nine wickets down in the second innings, Tom fucking Taylor. And I've watched it over and over again in wonderment. I can't believe this little shit did this. He has got to be drummed out of cricket, quite frankly. That contract has got to be cancelled. He bowled a straight ball 
to the number nine, Jack Carson, who was slogging it everywhere, and he bowled him. Ruined a perfectly fantastic stat. For what? Right? You know, I mean, they won that game by an innings and somewhat. With three hours to go, Taylor, stick it outside the off stump. I mean, honestly, if that man ever sets foot again on, on a first-class cricket field, I'll be outraged. It'll be worse than... There'll be worse than almost anything that, that I've seen in my lifetime, I think, okay. that. And, <laughs> and and I'd love to know if Finney's opinion on this, because, because I mean, surely you're aware of stats like that as cricket designer. You? you go out there knowing that something like that can only happen once every 2,500 games, and you've got I, a yeah. duty. I don't, I don't get the hand lotion out and start... <laughs> No, nobody does quite like Daniel Norcross. Honestly, you've never seen. He doesn't get animated about anything other than cricket statistics. Oh, mate! You must have been in that situation uh, where, if you're being really honest, right? I know you're you're sportsman in you, you're media trained sportsman, and you want to say, you know, the the results the most important thing. But when the game is clearly won, the game's in the bag, and you're hunting personal milestones, personal wickets. And it's down to like the eighth and ninth wicket, and you're sort of fine leg knowing you're bowling the next over, and you're watching your mate bowling over, going, I'd love it if he just bowled six that went through to the keeper here so I could burgle a couple <laughs> of wickets. You must have had that thought cross your mind. Oh, I don't know. I, I not that I can I'm trying to think now. There's there's an instance where I felt really bad because James Harris got nine wickets at Lords and I got the tenth one. <laughs> and I just felt really, really guilty. He got nine for 34. And yeah, and I got, but it was like the eighth or ninth you wicket. Him back. Yeah, you're... It was the eighth or ninth <laughs> wicket that I got though. That's the thing. Like it was late on and he was hunting the poles. And when you're bowling at the other end, you're almost like, I should really just hang these outside off stump. And then all of a sudden the batsman just nicked one. But yeah, not that, I mean, obviously I've been very well media trained. So I can never imagine or think of a situation that I wouldn't put the team before myself, especially in that instance. Yeah, but imagine, imagine, imagine you retired. What would you say then? <laughs> the same, the same answer, naturally, because I'm telling the truth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, you're a better man than me because I would have taken one, and James Harris would have taken nine, and I would have led the team off the pitch. I'd have gone, yeah, cheers, oh, lads. Yeah, well, mate. Well. I can't tell you how furious I was because, like, there was just. I understood why it was all happening, but it didn't. Why not? Why not? I mean, also, I blame the batter, right? There was nothing in that game. He should just have let it, you know. He should have got out to Berg. Yeah. That's the thing. Dumb and you know, you, you, know, you know Gareth Berg. Nine wickets. He's age 40-odd. I mean, what a cricketer Gareth Berg is. He's, yeah. still, he's still going. Yeah, what does that wicket mean to Tom Taylor in the grand scheme of things? But yeah. Gareth, that would have been a beautiful moment. Well, Daniel, if that annoyed you, I think this final topic I want to discuss, this is going to uh, this is going to probably tip you over the edge. And I meant to talk about this. It's actually a couple of weeks ago and I keep meaning... Before you say, can we just point out that Vinny is staring up the arse of his cat? Oh, yeah. That, yeah. What, what are you looking for? There's just a cat next to Finney, but... No, but he's, he's the tail is in the Finney's air. Finney's an he's inch gazing right into it, yeah. 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 Well, also, it, is that food next to it? Yeah, it's a donut. She's fat. She's she's it's a half-eaten donut. You don't lick that, you little <laughs> shit. Go away. <laughs> I was going to say, because why is your cat not licking? My cats would be all over that donut all day long. You've been very trusting near the donut. Now, before uh, Finney was looking up the arse of his cat, though... I wanted to mention this kid, and congratulations, but this will drive uh, Daniel Norcross insane. It certainly annoyed me. 
12-year-old Owen Forbes of Allendale Cricket Club. I don't know if you saw this. He made his first appearance for the men's team, aged 12 years old, okay? For the Allendale second 11. So they were playing Mitford, big game. And Allendale set 232. Mitford, in with a chance at 172 for six, upsteps 12-year-old Owen Forbes, who took four wickets in four balls to wrap the game up for his club. On debut, 12 years old, four in four, which makes me sick. It's like when you hear about a golfer who gets a hole-in-one on their first game. You need to go through all the pain and embarrassment and heartache and shame and upset that the rest of us club cricketers go for. You can't just open with four wickets on your debut. It makes me sick. I've seen a picture of that boy, and I'll tell you, I've taken against him already. He's the sort of person who'd be like <laughs> in, a, in a, an adaptation of Swallows and Amazons, you know, like all the girls in his school will really fancy him. He'll have like decent, nice little haircut. Yeah. A, a slick jacket. Yeah. How um, dare he have a haircut, hey? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly yeah. Well, I never, I didn't have a haircut when I was his age. I put, there was a bowl oh. put around my head, and my mum would go round it with a pair of kitchen scissors, and that was it. You know, oh. that's what it was. You were lucky, right? Chateau de Chasselet. I, 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 I bet he I, smells nice. I bet he just, yeah, it's just an all-round good egg. And it, I, bet he does, about, I bet he does well in class as well. It makes he's you about sick. Two inches taller than it, only two inches, but about two inches taller than everybody else. Yeah. Oh and, and, and I bet he's got a really nice one. Everyone really likes him. Yeah, oh, I hate that. Oh, yeah. yeah, I hate yeah. That. Well, one day, Owen, you'll be a washed up, <laughs> miserable old man like me and Daniel. Uh Finney, though, I, I've never I've never asked you this, but genuinely, at what age? Did you start being shit hot at cricket? Because were you just like, was there not, was there a point where you were like, I'm, I'm doing really well here. I'm, I'm taking loads of wickets and really performing. Like, was, was was there an age where you realised I'm definitely better than most of the players around me? No, I mean, I I was lucky in the sense that there was never pressure on me when I was young because there was quite a few guys who were more high profile and bigger names in youth cricket growing up so actually I sort of slipped under the radar in terms of representative stuff until I was in my mid-teens which I think meant that you know it made my life a little bit easier to not have that expectation to be really really good because I think that that burden when you're young can be quite dangerous and quite a tough thing to be able to deal with and handle so yeah I I mean I was always all right, but never amazing. And then, yeah, just happened to develop at the right time in my mid to late teens. But then you, you suddenly did, though, didn't you? Because when you're about 19, 20, I mean, I remember listening back in like 2010, 2009, probably 2009, you were suddenly talked about. So you must have gone through a sort of rapid change. What, what was that like at that age? Yeah, well, I think... Yeah, now I've got a few more grey hairs because you do, I think when you when you have success or like quite good success when you were younger, you know, playing in an Ashes at 21, which at the time I was like, yeah, it's just I'm playing in the Ashes here. It's what I'm meant to be doing. But you look back at it now at 32 and you think, like, geez, I was 21 playing in an Ashes series there away from home that we ended up winning. Like, I and yeah, you, you try and you try not to put too much pressure on yourself, but it's really, really hard not to because you expect so much when, you, um, when you've when you had a good career when you were younger, you do just end up expecting loads of yourself and sometimes unnecessarily, and that can be quite a dangerous thing. So yeah, it, it's been a strange career, almost 
in reverse, like played for England really young, did well, and then sort of playing county cricket now, trying to trying to retain my place in the team and trying to be an important member for Middlesex. So, yeah, there's quite a few different mindsets that you go through when you've had a career like mine. Well, it's not a bad career. I'd say I think any young cricketer who's 18, 19 now will take a few Ashes wins under the belts of some of the experiences you've had in the England team. Chaps, that is all that we have got time for, but uh, which I'm gutted about because, Daniel, I keep meaning to come to you on this weather thing. Yeah, Old Trafford, there's so yeah. much. I mean, honestly, uh, I've got... I got reams of it from Cairns. Maybe next week. Yeah, maybe, maybe next, next week. week. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. But oh, I, I can't wait. I can't, I can't wait. Rain, rain. <laughs> Chaps, lovely to see you both. Enjoy the rest of your week. And Finney, I'll be watching out for your name on the team sheet come Thursday. And uh, don't forget, splay that left leg. There's no fielders over the rope, Finney. Use that Woodstock bat. I mean, yeah. just look. It's beautiful. It's supple. It's got great give. Just Reasonably priced. Hit. It's reasonably priced, very reasonably <laughs> it's priced. Not. <laughs> <laughs> and not the way and you're a, using it. And aim for deep mid wicket. Like if you get to play at the oval next week, that at the moment they're sticking the wickets on either side, right? Just pick your spot over Archbishop Tennyson's. Just make it happen. I mean, otherwise, what yeah, is it? They should what, they what should get you in the morning of a test match, actually. They shouldn't Alex Stewart yeah. and all the greats giving the speeches. Daniel Norcross, yeah. if you if you see it, pick your spot, put it in the school to the next <laughs> next to the ground. Yeah. Look, if England are going to if England are going to keep losing test matches inside two days in India, I'd rather we went out the Daniel Daniel Norcross method. Chaps, lovely to see you. I'll see you next week. Cheers. See ya. Podcast Network.